awesome. That's what I really wanted to know because I was, I was like, you know what, this would make like a great anthology TV series too. <laughs> oh yeah, Autumn Crow. Yeah, yeah. That's just a cool name for a TV series too. And I was like, no, it'd be called Cheney's Autumn Crow Show. <laughs> <laughs> Like creep show that, or something. I don't know. Yeah, I like the idea of doing an anthology. I definitely couldn't, but I don't know. If somebody like wanted to pick up the rights, I would not argue with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Cameron Cheney. I am the host of Library and Macabre on YouTube. And today, Dustin and I will be talking about my book, Autumn Crow, coming up next. So you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, cause Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Welcome to Autumn Crow Valley, where every night is Halloween. Enjoy your stay, but first, a few words of warning. Stay out of the forest. Never venture out after dark, and don't stare into the shadows for too long. You may not like what you see. Have a pleasant visit. We hope it won't be your last. So, Mr. Cheney, I did notice the other day, I, I mean, I know you're, you know, like you said, your YouTube channel, I knew all about that. And then I looked the other day and I was like, oh, crap, he's got 16,000 followers. And now I'm intimidated. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, are you happy with like the response to Autumn Crow and uh, how everything's you know coming about with that? Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better response. I mean, I've been booktubing for, I don't know, like nine years almost. I think I'm going on nine years in July. Um, so I've. I've had this wonderful following all this time. So then when I released Autumn Crow, everybody just kind of embraced it. And yeah, it's gotten a lot of great feedback. I couldn't ask for a better response. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I see everybody, you know, reposting, you know, bookstagram pictures of it and everything. And right. um, I like it. I like that. And I, I mean, do you like how everybody's like puts little, you know, fall features around it and like pumpkins and candles oh, and it. little scarecrows and, <laughs> oh yeah well, that's great and you know like i'm a huge halloween fan so just seeing people you know express their love of halloween with my book that's just awesome it, like gives me warm feeling. <laughs> i know i say that's what i say that's the reason i really liked this book and especially my attention was drawn to it certainly because of the cover and what you you know your right. would you say your name twin <laughs> yeah which is named cameron um yes ruby, ruby. yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah he it's an awesome cover and i i love it it's very mesmerizing if you just like get lost in the you know the skeleton eyes and exactly he does such a good job i mean all of his covers are amazing but yeah he uh he did this one and then i have the actual painting hanging up on my wall and it's like in my library which is where i do my work but sometimes i just like stare at it and i kind of forget that i'm working so it's a little you kind of forget that it's your book in a way kind of like you kind yeah. of admire it like his artwork is on the cover of my book, but I still like appreciate it as its own thing. It's that good. Yeah. And just having that around and you're like, Oh man, that's awesome. I created that. And you know, this guy yeah. like made this based off what I created. This is awesome. Right. So, and you know, it's just cool. And you get give yourself a little pat on the back. It's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do know that um, 
one of the stories, at least the last mm-hmm. one, uh, There Are Monsters Here is a novella that you originally published in 2017. Right. So for those of us in the dark, how did the creation of the actual Autumn Crow book come about? So let's see. Yeah. Uh, there Are Monsters Here came out in 2017, released it on its own. This is an ebook. And then there were a couple of years in between that and the time Autumn Crow came out where I hadn't really released anything. Um, and mostly I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to write next. And then there was this book that I started writing and it was, um, oh geez, it's gone through so many different titles. I don't even know what it's called right now. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 it's a book, it's a novel and it takes place in a town called Autumn Crow. So I'm writing this book and the book wasn't really going very well. Like it wasn't just flowing out of me smoothly. So I was like, you know what? I really like this town Autumn Crow, but I kind of want to, write a different book just set in this town. So then I went back and I kind of like just, I was like, you know what, I'll just do a short story anthology. That way I can build this town just little little bits at a time. So then I just started kind of putting all these stories together and the town just started becoming its own thing, like on its own, like I didn't even have to try. So uh, eventually I'll go back to that other book and, and write that one. Uh, <laughs> now that I know, now that I know that Autumn Crow is kind of fleshed out and I kind of know what it is as as a location, now I can kind of utilize it better in other stories. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So you, you know, so there definitely are plans to move forward oh, and, yeah. use, and do Autumn Crow stuff a little further down the line. Absolutely. Yeah, there, I have tons of things I'm working on right now. Well, how did um, like the name Autumn Crow come to you? Was it like just you saw, you know, oh, it's fall outside and look, there's a black bird, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> was it something no, that's, like that? That's basically how it happened. I, I didn't know what to call it. And I was like, just uh, Autumn, Autumn something, Autumn, uh, Autumn Crow. There we go. And it just, yeah, it just, okay. it just happened. Like that. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing uh, too crazy went into forming that. It was mostly just like putting two words together. That's awesome. I was thinking, you know, like Peter Griffin, he goes, P tear griffin <laughs> he sees all these things and just i don't know so stupid anyway i'm lame that way um which story do you think actually i was gonna ask this before which story do you think will be my favorite your favorite hmm yeah what do you uh, think is gonna be my favorite i'm just gonna say crypt tv crypt tv yeah it's like the last autumn crow story in the book I don't know. It's a very nostalgic story for me. And I just feel like maybe you have that same upbringing. It's just a lucky guess. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Probably my second favorite, but um, it's not my favorite, but I'll, I'll get to it. I'll tell you which one my favorite when we get to it. Cool. <laughs> so when I started reading the book, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got this really kind of familiar vibe from it. And I don't know if anybody's told you this, they might have. I'm probably late to the game, but it felt very Ray Bradbury to me. Yeah, I've had a couple a couple of people say that. Yeah, Halloween Tree, uh, that was uh, a book that I read shortly before starting uh, this one. So it definitely had an influence. It's a classic. It's a great book. All his stuff is great. Uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes is one of my favorites. So he's definitely an influence for sure. So we'll go ahead and start these in order that they came out in the book. <laughs> okay. And we're going to start with follow me in. And it starts with a narrator who's taking a look back at the happy times with his love at a secluded beach, frolicking and swimming. And 
you know, it's Autumn Crow Valley is the setting and there's a ton of tourists, but they never come by this pebbly little beach. And, but now he's alone and his body's aged and he's breaking down and he sits down every night in front of the TV and he thinks about, you know, the times back then when he used to, you know, they used to go over to the hill and roll down the hill and go to the beach. And then he gets this very unexpected visitor. And that's where I'll leave that. It was good. I, I like the, it was kind of a, uh, a very nice tone setter and a teaser for the rest of the book. Um, had a little bittersweet ending for me, which, you know, oh, it leaves me with a few big questions, especially in the, which I like. I like when you have a yeah. few questions, like, cause if I have questions, I'm interested. So that's good. Um, <laughs> and, you know, mainly about, you know, this love that he had and, you know, and whether he's senile or not, I don't know. It's just the way things are coming about in the story. And I'm like, uh, makes me have some questions about this guy. So, um, right. it's very, you know, mysterious and I like it. Thank Still not you. the favorite yet. <laughs> <laughs> How did you go about, um, picking this one as the first story? Well, I just thought, you know, it's it's a very, very short one. It's only five pages. And like you said, it's kind of a tone setter. It kind of introduces you to Autumn Crow in a, in a subtle way. Uh, but also like the story, follow me in. It was kind of like, kind of like me telling the reader, like, follow me in. I'm going to show you this town, Autumn Crow. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought it kind of had a little bit of everything, even though it was so short, everything that I want Autumn Crow to be. Um, it doesn't have so much Halloween in it, but it does have, like you said, it's kind of, yeah, of romantic and mysterious. Yeah, yeah, just that tone. And you know, it's a very important story to me too. Um, the beach is kind of inspired by this reservoir that I, I was walking on every single day at the time. And I was listening to this song, it's called Gold by Penny and Sparrow. It's one of my favorite songs. And I was listening to it while walking on the reservoir and it kind of just, the whole story just kind of popped into my head. So I don't know. It, it kind of holds a special place in my heart. That story does. Bing! Yeah, that kind of epiphany, that little light bulb moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's go on to Pumpkin Light, the next story in the book. Mm -hmm. Now, this uh, narrator is also older. It's 76. The first line makes me think of a Pepperidge Farm remembers. I don't know why. It's <laughs> the first thing that was like, in my 76 years and living in Autumn Crow Valley, there has never once been an imperfect Halloween. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> in my head, that's what it started off. And I was like, oh, it's a woman. Never mind. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so um, she's talking about, you know, Halloween and, and, and she she makes this one quote, and it made me, I just love it. I, I don't know what it was about this quote. And it's, uh, a friend of mine who lives in Vermont once said that as a young girl, she received a bruised eye due to spontaneous hailstorm that she was, while she was out begging for candy. When she got home that night, her mother claimed it was God's punishment for participating in the devil's holiday. I, on the other hand, have never awoken to, on, to snow on Halloween. I have never been rained upon while trick-or-treating, and I have never been punched in the eye by God. I don't know why. That was so... I don't know. I can hear somebody, an old lady, saying this, and <laughs> uh, I just love that quote. I don't know what it is. No, thank you. <laughs> so, this old lady, she's talking to the little girl in the witch costume, and she's telling of a time when she was about 11, 
and mm-hmm. she first started noticing the oddness of Autumn Crow. Just like, you know, stuff like uh, there's a full moon every Halloween, always, you know. And always. I like this flashback to a, a more rural time in the town's history, you know, before all the houses mm-hmm. and businesses sprang up and it was all innocent, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so um, when the lady is a little girl, she gets all dressed up for Halloween. I think she's a witch, too. And uh, she's excited for her parents to take her to town for the festivities, but they're taking forever. And she's waiting patiently in front of her house and, you know, um, ready to go. And she notices something off in the distance and uh, something behind the neighbor's house just down the road. And it's something glowing and floating. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, she goes to investigate and... Long story short, she comes face to face with a very witchy neighbor with a crazy ass spell to cast. And that's where <laughs> I'll leave that. <laughs> Again, this this it, this ending's a little bittersweet as well, but it's more on the sweet side of the bittersweet. And to me. And uh, so, you know, I'm going through these and I'm like, okay, I love these stories. And but the next one better not have old people, damn it. <laughs> Complete opposite. <laughs> And I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, is this going to be like everyone is looking back at their old times? Nope. Not with burnt brownies. Nope. nope. Not with that. Not with that tale. In that tale, we meet a seven-year-old and his name yep. is Bobby Tinkett. Bobby Tinkett. <laughs> I love that kid. <laughs> I like his name. I like that name. And I like how the name keeps popping up in other stories. Yep. That's right. I love that too, by the way. I meant to mention that. Like the the interwoven, some of the characters and some of the events that happen are interwoven through the other stories. Just kind of mentioned here and there and uh, some of the you. places. Those Easter eggs, kind of, they kind of surprise me because they kind of just pop up on their own. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't even plan it. Like, like oh. Just you just accidentally put, put some people in different places. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, they kind of, they just kind of like work their way around the town on their own. So we have seven-year-old Bobby Tinkett, who you love, mm-hmm. and he's dressed as a zombie firefighter for Halloween, which, you know, kids would do. <laughs> Just exactly. match it all up. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's currently pissed at his sister, Christine, because she was supposed to take him out trick-or-treating, and instead she's going to throw a party. And their relationship has been strained for a while. Uh, well, recently, because of Christine turned 16, and she just started acting kind of mean to Bobby, and... Her side is that he's just always hanging around and annoying the crap out of her. And he says all these weird things to her and like how he sees a man in their house who's all burned and not to be confused with burning man. Um, Bobby (laughs) says that this burned man (laughs) has a crush, has a big old crush on his sister and says that he will do anything to have her. Mm -hmm. This one, I really enjoyed the story. It was kind of a guessing game at first to tell, you know, if Bobby was telling the truth Mm -hmm. or if he was just crazy, (laughs) if he was going to be like one of those evil children all of a sudden. Right. And that's, you know, that's one of those things I think is really neat. Uh, I like, like I said, a little guessing game. Does, Mm -hmm. you know, does Christine actually have anything to worry about? I don't know. You know, how far can we go with this toxic masculinity storyline? I don't know. The end answered all the questions that I had. Um, and it left me with a little bit of an ick factor, <laughs> just like, Oh, and, but I still want to know what happened next. Like, yep. it's kind of like it's a resolution, but at the same time, not. And I'm like, Oh, I want to know. Thank you. Anyway, uh, on to the next one, frost. 
so in Frost, our narrator's name is Ollie. And he is a young kid, teenager, wants to leave home. His dad's kind of an abusive asshole. And he plays mind games with him all the time. Like when he buys him this old 91 Pontiac 6000 for Ollie's birthday. And he's like, sure, it's all beat up. And the dad hands you the keys and says, hey, start her up. You don't think that he would have purposefully dismantled the engine just so you can earn the car. Ugh, that's just fucked up. I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> Finally, he highlights hails it out of there and driving all night with little money and little rest. And then he kind of somehow he finds himself wound up in a small town and it's named Autumn Crow Valley where he just kind of drives around and it's kind of quiet and everything. And he finds a, you know, a small parking lot next to a playground and he, you know, just parks and decides to take a little nap. And he's awoken by somebody tapping on his frosted window. Some guy named John who keeps talking to him through the glass and won't leave Ollie alone. I have to say this one is my favorite. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Mainly because it's uh, like, it's very twilight zoney yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, the paranoia that kind of sets in that builds up for Ollie in the story and, Mm-hmm. And then, you know, especially regarding the John person, you know, I really like that one. I like it. And it really feels like, like an old Rod Serling Twilight Zone story. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment to me because I love the Twilight Zone. And obviously, this one was definitely inspired by it. It, it was also based off of a dream that I had, um, mm-hmm. as a lot of my stories are. Yeah, I had this dream that um, I was parked on the side of the road. For some reason, I'm sleeping in my car. I wake up in the morning, all the windows are frosted over, and there's this man outside talking to me. And I'm trying to get him to go away, but he won't. And I'm asking him who he is, and he won't tell me. And then finally, he just says, I'll be seeing you. He walks away. And I woke up, and I felt like there was something in the room with me. It was the worst feeling, and I could not get back to sleep after that. I have chill bumps. <laughs> I literally have I have Goosebumps books and Goosebumps like on my arms. So... <laughs> Literally, my eyes are tearing up. That is freaking me out. Oh. That kind of stuff happens to me all the time. Uh, me too. You, me too. Ooh, ooh. But yeah, like, so, I love it, but at the same time, it freaks me out. Uh, <laughs> I woke up the next morning, and I'm like, well, I need to write this. So I wrote it, and I like, felt a lot better. I felt like, okay, I don't. I, I, if I didn't write it, I felt like I would have worried. Like, you'll be seeing me where? <laughs> right. Um, On the page, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of just used it, used that fear I was feeling because I was feeling pretty freaked out. Well, it's like, you know, they say when you're right, you put it out there, you make it physical, you know, and, and you kind of control the situation in a way, especially when it's a fiction, you can kind of change the ending or make it however you want it to be. And that's where you have the power and that's where you right. feel more control. So you feel better about it after that, especially, you know. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So that's an awesome story. I'm glad you told me that. That's That's really cool. Next up, Saving Face. This one's got a little Twilight Zone to it, too. A little more modern Twilight Zone to it. Um, but it's still... Uh, okay. So Saving Face, it's about Moby Mud, and he's a seemingly sinister homeless guy. He's you know pushes a shopping cart around that he's named after his dead wife. And when we first meet him, he's trying to lure children from a playground into the woods. 
So, but it all might not be what it may, may seem for Moby. You know, Moby has this price to pay in order to get out of this prison he's created for himself, basically. Uh-huh. And it's a steep price, but the reward seems to be worth it. And I really liked the outcome of the story, obviously. It's, I mean, it's a good outcome. And it's a, you know, kind of a twisted tale of karma coming back threefold. So very nice right. to score. Um, what, what brought this one on? A dream I had. Another dream. Okay. <laughs> Another dream. Oh, this one's going to freak me out too. I know it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I just had a dream. I had a dream that I was watching. I wasn't sure if I was watching a movie or if I was watching this actually happening. But in the dream, I see this guy go into this rest stop in this park. And there's this homeless guy who's asleep in one of the stalls, but he's got no face. And he starts ripping off this other guy's face. And I woke up. I felt really weird. And I'm like, well, maybe I can turn this into a story. And I did. Ooh. Ooh, God. Okay. (laughs) No, thank you. So before earlier, we've talked and um, you mentioned that the next one, I Have No Mouth and I Must Feed, is the one that, you know, is the most popular one you don't mind diving a little deeper into. Yeah. What I love is the title. It's now this one, I know it, it really does. The title alone just feels I always compare it to everything else. I can't help it. But uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. The title mm-hmm. sounds very much that to me. It just sounds like I could see it with like the kind of drippy, gooey looking drawing somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, if you Sorry. ever republish Autumn Crow, let's say some big publisher goes, we want this. We're gonna, we want you to add more stories this time, though. We're going to republish all the other ones and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, would you consider like maybe a, a one page illustration for some stories or maybe even like at the oh. top of a story kind of thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to, I just kind of ran out of time. I wanted to release it before Halloween and it just, you know, formatting the book is hard enough even without illustrations. And I just kind of ran out of time, but I, I originally wanted to. I like that. Cause I think, I, you know, I love illustration. I mean, I'm not, not because I'm like a little kid, but <laughs> it sometimes it does. It helps you get a visual of what the author meant means, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it just helps, you know, I want to see what exactly what you're talking about. Right. It adds a little bit of atmosphere to the overall book, too, I feel. It would have been cool, but, you know, maybe the next one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> so anyway, okay, so in this story, I have no mouth and I must feed. Um, <laughs> sorry, my demon just took over. Um, <laughs> we are focusing on Ellen, or Ellie, our final girl of the story, basically. Uh, who's helping her friend Luca decorate for his haunted house called the Dungeon of Death. And she's, you know, she's on web duty, spider web duty. She's hanging all that. She's like being very meticulous about it. She thinks she's awesome. She's looking around. She's like, you know, Luca's decorating's on point, but these actors are way too cheesy. They suck. She's like, you know, I have an Elvira bod and I studied at Autumn Crow University and um, I did theater there. So I would be so much better. <laughs> I love Ellen too. <laughs> I know she's great. She's so Meanwhile, I want to find Autumn Crow University and I want to register immediately. Cause you just imagine the classes that they have. <laughs> I may have something planned with Autumn Crow University. So. Ooh. Yay. Wow. Okay. 
But uh, the cool thing about this story is Ellie is a black girl. So yay for representation. Um, I love that. Uh, And Luca only allows his blonde bitch white girlfriends to play the vampire queen. So yeah. So she's kind of left out in that. Mm -hmm. And her other best friend with a beer gut, Alvin, comes up and he scares her with this animatronic mannequin. And it's some replica of some YouTube video called Tara the Android, which... I had to look up and I realized, oh my God, I have seen this before. Just maybe a blip of it somewhere and I didn't realize it. And yeah, it's creepy. I barely remember it, but it's creepy as hell. Oh yeah, <laughs> the it, used to, it used to freak me out, <laughs> that video. Really? Yes. So I don't know so why it freaked me I, out, but it's, it is uncomfortable. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it made me very uncomfortable. And it made me so uncomfortable that I, I had a dream about her. Oh God. <laughs> And this is probably the basis of this, right? It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. So it inspired the story. So I had this dream that I'm working at a department store and it's night out. I'm doing all the closing duties. I go out behind the store and I'm throwing a bunch of stuff in the dumpster in this alleyway. And one of the things I'm throwing away is a mannequin that looks just like Tara the Android. So I'm throwing it away and all of a sudden it springs to life and it starts singing this song from the YouTube video. And I start running, of course, getting the hell out of there. And I find a cornfield and I start running through this cornfield to get away. And I can just hear it behind me and its eyes are glowing this white light. And there's blood oozing from its mouth. And finally it catches up to me and everything goes really bright. And I woke up and then I wrote the story. Ooh. Okay. Well, it's weird as fuck. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, Tara really creeps Ellie out too, and uh, she wants it gone. But the you know boys wear her down, and she just mm-hmm. like they always do, and she just kind of gives in. And you know, side note, Luke is dating this blonde bitch named Macy Collings, who was actually in a story earlier, <laughs> which I didn't mention her, but she's in a story earlier. So she takes one look at you know Tara's fake body <laughs> and compliments her great thigh gap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that that killed me. <laughs> uh, it's a great thigh gap. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so Luca explains the serial killer story of Tara to Macy in this weird, uncomfortable, flirty way. I have to ask you, is this serial killer story made up for this story or is it actually a rumored thing about Tara the Android? It's an actual rumor. You could, yeah, there's there are really? plenty of articles online about it. I kind of researched it. I just kind of picked pick and chose which which little aspects of the story I wanted to use. Okay. That's interesting. Huh. It's something about a serial killer who videoed the robot to, I don't know. It's really strange. I'll let the reader <laughs> get that part. Uh, Ellie calls BS and tells the real story. And that it was just some geek who built a, sil- a singing robot to hopefully become famous. And Macy knows, well, if you know so much, then why are you so scared of Tara? And Ellie's like, well, everybody's scared of something. And that feels very John Carpenter, kind of Halloween-like. You know, that whole everybody's entitled to one good scare type of thing? Right. Um, That kind of line, that's what it feels like. You know, everybody's Mm -hmm. scared of something. You know, ooh. (laughs) That feels like if this were made, this little story were made into a movie, that that line would definitely have to be kept in. You know? I hope so. So what I was thinking, you don't introduce a creepy robot for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Something's going to happen with that damn robot. 
have to. You don't just yeah, you don't just do that. So we find out that Ellie works at this bookstore and she's made friends with Willow, this high schooler, but she's still pretty mature for her age. And Willow encourages Ellie to drop Luca and Alvin Alvin as friends because they're obviously just they just use her, you know. Hell, Luca doesn't even hasn't even paid Ellie for all the work she's done in this dungeon of death. Ellie leaves work and starts to head towards the haunted house, which is out a little ways near the cornfields. Uh-huh. Um, the town is silent now, but she knows in the morning, Halloween, the carnival will be full swing with tourists everywhere, and it'll be the busiest time of year. Driving and lost in thought, something bright flashes across the road, knocking into her car. Her car is fine, but what was it? Alvin playing pranks? She looks out into the cornfield and sees a path of freshly chopped stalks that are smoking from ring hot slices, it seems like they're burned. Mm-hmm. And she's smart. She gets back in the damn car. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm like, get back in the car, girl. And she gets back in the fucking car. She goes to the haunted house and still feels this lingering of being watched from the cornfield. Girl, something is watching you. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not going to get into it because that would ruin the story for our listeners and who the fuck you need to go fucking buy this book anyway. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm okay now. <laughs> Got a little excited. Anyway, side note on this story. I like how Ellie says Autumn Crow may look like a put on, you know, but it's really is that spooky and dark and dangerous. It looks like it's for show, but it's real. So it's kind of like you say, oh, okay, oh, this looks nice. You go through, you know, Salem, Massachusetts. They're really not that bad there, but they make it spookier around Halloween and be like that. But no, this is how it is all the time. (laughs) The story seems to involve uh, a theme of new beginnings kind of thing, mainly for Ellen and the decisions she makes, amongst other things later on in the story that I hadn't mentioned. Like I said previously, you said that this is one of the more popular ones that people ask you a lot of questions about. And I was just going to, you know, curious, what kind of questions would that be? Like, are there any I haven't touched on? Oh, it's mostly about the YouTube video. Um, people will be like, wait a second, is this a real thing? I'm like, yeah, go check it out. And then they curse me for it because it creeps them out. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's that. Um, yeah, it's mostly surrounding that YouTube video. I mean, it's already popular as it is, so people read this. And some of them know the video already, and they kind of geek out about it. So that's Awesome. That's great. I'm glad. Um, it's a cool story. And I, I could see that, like I said, that story being turned into something bigger, like movie-wise or kind of continuing. Um, oh. Oh, you're like, oh, you're continuing. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have an idea about that, don't you? All right. I mean, I'd love to see it adapted. That would be awesome, like into a movie or something. I mean, like I said, if somebody wanted to do that, I would be totally on board. No, I would, I would want a part in it. I mean, I mean, I don't want to give anyone the wrong idea. There's nothing happening, but I mean, it would be awesome to see Autumn Crow as like a real place because that is my dream town. <laughs> that would be really cool. Uh, that's why I was saying like a TV show would be great, even if it was like a you know ten episode show, little anthology. Like, just like this, you know, where some characters repeat in and out, but mainly it's like completely different stories. You know, that house down the block over there, the store over here, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. There's, you know, the anthology thing's really big right now, too. It is. So, we're going into Crypt TV. 
Um, that's what I think of every time I look at that title. Is uh, <laughs> what's what's that guy's name? You know, what I'm talking about it was on MTV long back. I know his yeah, I know his face. I can't remember his name, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, that guy. Maybe I'll <laughs> add it in later. I'll add it in later, like we knew it. Okay. Haha, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, Crip TV. And that's exactly how it sounds to everybody in the audience. It's uh, C-R-Y-P-TV. And it's about um, this kid named Alan. And he's 13 years old. And his family just moved to Kilgore. The most boring town ever. It's bleak. There's graffiti everywhere. And worst of all, they barely celebrate Halloween. No pumpkins for sale. Kids make fun of him for wanting to dress up and go trick-or-treating. His parents won't let him go back to Autumn Crow to visit his friends because they think the town has gotten too dangerous. Like, ah, okay. I was wondering when Autumn Crow was going to come into play. So Alan resolves to find something to entertain him this, quote, beggar's night, as his dad puts it, which I've never heard that term. <laughs> I don't a know Midwestern why. thing. Yeah, I was like, beggar's night? That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> So we call it here. That's funny. He runs into some bullies whom he deems the Daryls, which reminds me of like Newhart. Is that what that came from? <laughs> I, there's somebody I know named Daryl who was an asshole and I just kind of put it in there. Ooh, okay. Shade. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, anyway. Yeah. The leader of this group is named Daryl. And so he just refers to the whole group as Daryl. Um, they dare him to enter this strange crypt in the cemetery and wait until 1230 because everything happens at midnight and they don't want him to miss it. So he needs to wait until 1230 at least. It's kind of silly, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Alan is a bit cocky having grown up in Autumn Crow, you know, where spooky things happen all the time. He doesn't think he's going to get scared. So he gives up his mobile phone. Just, you know, they're like, hand over your phone. He's like, all right, here. Even though he's kind of like, well, my parents might call. Uh-oh. But, oh, well, I've already done it. And so he crawls into this crypt. And then he meets a very unique individual. A dead individual. Which is where I will stop. So, you, that said, that seems like it might be your favorite one. It is. Yeah. Uh, I relate to Alan a lot. And I've had a lot of my friends who've read it who have been like, Alan is you. Like, that was me when I was a kid, playing, playing pranks on everybody and uh, scaring my siblings. And, you know, I'm not afraid of anything. That was basically me. So, and just loving Halloween and being this big horror nerd. Like, that's just me. So, yeah, I, I would just love to find myself in a situation like Alan on Halloween night. It just seems like an adventure to me. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. That's cool. Back to the stories. We have one left, and this was the novella that you wrote originally. Why did you decide to include this one in the back of Autumn Crow? Well, everybody had been asking me if I was ever going to release it in paperback because it was only available on Kindle before. And this was kind of my way of just being like, well, I'll, I'll put this in there. It, people think it's not an Autumn Crow story. It is connected to Autumn Crow in a very subtle way. Um, like the uh, main character's mom is from Autumn Crow. It's kind of mentioned in there really, really briefly. Uh, but there are other projects I'm working on that will Oh, I wrote that down. Tie. Did you? That's awesome. You caught it. Most people don't catch it. Yeah, I wrote I'm glad it. 
I went, though, I guess I said, this is my, this is my note. You want to hear this? Uh-huh. It's also the only story in the book, not to mention Autumn Crow, though I guess the mom being from Ohio is kind of a close reference. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, because the the mom is the one, I mean, of course, of course, the listeners probably don't know what the story's about, but it, it, the story's about, you know, each family member having their own monsters and whatnot. And the mom is from Autumn Crow, therefore, maybe the monsters are kind of like a curse from Autumn Crow. And it's just been kind of passed down through the bloodline, no matter where they live. That's kind of the idea. Right. So here, I'll, I'll, here, I'll unpack this one for us real quick. Um, I think it'll, I'll let the reader do a majority of that to get to it, but I want to give them a little bit. It's another chaptered story. Basically, uh, this guy, Christopher, has had a rough life. His parents are divorced when he was young. His dad was a no-show. His mom was a drunk. His sister always has been a wreck. On top of that, he tells us that his family is cursed with their own individual monsters that follow them around. Ugh. Okay, so only they can see their own monster. You know, throughout the story, he tells us of his family's hardships, his rebellion, and oh yeah, being stalked by a monster. (laughs) Not only that, there's a bit more darkness to this particular tale. And since I know it was originally its own novella, it makes sense. But, you know, like I said, it was the only one not to mention Autumn Crow. So maybe, you know, maybe I don't understand. Maybe that's where he's kind of tying it in with the Ohio thing, which you confirmed. So that's good. Um, It's enriched with metaphors and allegory, especially when young Chris asks his uncle Roland, where do monsters live? And his uncle says, home is where the monsters are. And I like this story as as a standalone. I do think it works best out of the Autumn Crow context, but you know it, it does fit into this at the end, so it's totally fine. It's a good additional treat for the reader to kind of get a sample of a different side to your voice a little bit because it, it is the tone is different from all the other ones, but that's a good thing, I think, working for you, especially for anybody who never got the digital version of the story. So they won't be disappointed. The final climactic scene made me get all up in my feelings. <laughs> Because there's a lot going on. It's a lot to process. And it's a lot going up, you know, elbow in your head. So, but I won't go any further than that because I, I want the reader to enjoy it themselves, obviously. But I, I applaud you. That was really good. Thank you. Like I said, throughout the book, uh, several events and places and characters will show up or be mentioned. Even some lines from previous stories will show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say anything about them because I want the reader to catch them. My whole deal is, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but if it's a newer book, but less than five years old, I'm not going to spoil everything. I think that's kind of crappy. You know, give people time to read it. Um, But I mean, if a movie came out in that five years, then that movie already spoiled it. So, you know, (laughs) that's how I feel. You should have, you probably have, most likely people aren't going to read it now because they're going to watch the movie. And that's just how it is. But if it's any older than that, I, I'll spoil away. That's just how I feel. You had time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to mention any of these little, you know, uh, crossover story events and, you know, people and whatnot, because I want people to find that. What are some of the lesser known Easter eggs that you included? Like the things, not those things, not like, oh, this character was in this story or, oh, that, that, you know, um, store was mentioned in three other stories, you know, and or whatever, what other stuff did you put in there that maybe I wouldn't know from reading it? Maybe something personal for you and your own little Easter egg. 
Hmm. Well, obviously, like the the line "Follow me in" that pops up a lot. Uh, it's kind of a, a thing that is going to tie into other uh, novels and stories that I'm writing too. That's kind of the big thing. And it's like, what does that mean exactly? And I'd kind of like to explain that a little bit more in other Autumn Crow stories eventually. Um, but I don't know. I would have to look through it. It's been a while since I have even read uh, through it since, I mean, since I published it. So uh, I don't know. I'd have to go through and kind of refresh my memory on some of it. You need to look at it from new eyes every so often. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I've even really looked at it, so I've been working on other things. Well, um, besides Terra the Android, was there anything else inspired by, like, horror stories or authors or movies or TV shows or anything? Anything that kind of went, you know what, I kind of like this, but I want to flip this on its head or, you know. Yeah, no, not, not, not necessarily. Uh, there is a character, though, that is, um, she runs the video store in Autumn Crow. Her name is Becca Ackerman. And I kind of just named her after uh, Becca McKendry on the Shockwaves podcast. I think she's awesome and she like knows her horror shit so well. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of put her in there <laughs> since she's the uh, the horror uh, movie lady in my mind. <laughs> she's the one that I go to for recommendations and stuff. Not personally, but on her Twitter and whatnot. Okay. Is there a story that later on, like when you wrote it, after you wrote it, that you kind of went, oh my God, after, you know, after it's been published and everything, it's already out there, out there in the world. Did you go, oh my God, that would have been a better ending. Or I could have done this with that character. Oh man. Yeah, no, I, uh, not really. Yeah, pretty much I, once I put something out, I kind of just move on to the next thing and I try not to think too much about it. So yeah, what's what's out there is what's out there. It is how it is. And I don't know, I, I write all these stories kind of based in the same town. So if I do think of something, I could always put it in the next book. That's true. And you can continue that mm-hmm. character or make a character like them anyway. Right. So, I mean, has anybody, no one's approached you to do like any Autumn Crow stories, like any fan fiction? Not yet. No. Really? I, I would really like some fan art or something that would be cool. Yeah, that would that would totally make me geek out. So what if here's an idea? Okay. Would you be opposed to another Autumn Crow anthology with you as the head editor and like you wrote most of the stories or at least a, quite a few of them, but you maybe had guest authors add in some stories about Autumn Crow as well? That would be cool. Like they pitch you their idea and stuff and you can tell them how it works into whatever you want the the grand scheme of things. That'd be kind of neat. I don't know. Yeah. I'm always yeah, thinking absolutely. of crap like they, this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they had a kind of a, a style that kind of just fit in with the town, if they kind of you know got the vibe of Autumn Crow, then yeah, I would be up for that. So in I Have No Mouth and I Must Feed, at one point, Willow is setting up the bookstore for a guest author to come in on Halloween. His name is Jack Rosenlove and he has written Autumn Crow, a dark history. And you need to write this book. (laughs) And your pen name needs to be Jack Rosenlove. (laughs) I've thought of it. (laughs) I've actually, there's a, there's a character and I won't say who at the end of uh, a crypt TV who may or may not have a very big part of Autumn Crow. And I, I kind of want to write a journal from his perspective. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. I could see that something that's found or something like that. Right. And I may not, may or may not already have the journal that I want to use to write that (laughs) put away somewhere for when I'm ready. This leather bound journal with like straps on it and buckles or whatever. What? Very, very creepy leather bound journal. Yes. <laughs> Hand bound. Do you already have like a secret compartment in your wall? <laughs> Does it <laughs> have a key? Fun. The stories don't come to life, do they? It's actually in a steamer trunk in my living room, like an old fashioned steamer trunk. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, uh, you're too much. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's going to be scary if that stuff comes to life. Don't do that. Don't do that to us. Okay, Cameron, don't do that to us, please. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this uh, this book. It really was it's great. I really did enjoy it. I think it's cool. And I love that I can go back into it and just you know selectively read something every so often if I want to, um, especially around Halloween. I hate that it's not Halloween mm-hmm. now. So thanks for that. You make me wish it was Halloween right at this You're moment. Welcome. <laughs> I really wish I wish I could go to Autumn Crow. Um, well, maybe not because something bad would probably happen to me. But <laughs> oh, it will. It would absolutely. Yeah, something, something bad always happens. Something bad, Crow. but it's worth it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for talking to me about your book. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I hope that, hey, maybe maybe sometime you want to read a book with me and we'll not your book and we'll talk about that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely. Cool. Like I said before, you can reach uh, Cameron and uh, find him under pretty much anything in social media under Book Movie Guy and especially his YouTube channel. Is that your official book um, YouTube channel's Book Movie Guy? Uh, it's just under my own name now, just Cameron Chaney. You can type that in and it'll bring you right to my channel. Okay, sounds great. So go check him out. He needs more followers. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Have any questions or comments about Autumn Crow or the show in general? Reach out to me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at both Dustin C. Holden and Dustin Can Read. Email me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com and please be sure to subscribe to be alerted for new episodes as well as rate and comment on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, Dustin Can Read.